0: good evening and welcome to episode 108 of the winning agenda tonight our panelists include the lovable biroid and world's top 16 competitor wilfred e horrig hello the best dressed man in netrunner hollis echo
1: hey guys what what is up
0: and I am your host, Jesse Marshall. It's wonderful to be with you this evening. How is everybody feeling? Evening slash morning, as always. But we'll say evening. Hollis, how are you feeling?
1: <laughs> no, uh, my uh, my morning is uh, gorgeous. It's uh, it's very dark outside. However, this is my favorite time, actually, uh, of the day. It's like, the day has just started. It's so dark. Everyone else is asleep, but I'm being productive and doing things. I secretly feel really good inside. I guess it's not really a secret. The secretive?
0: similarity the, the similarity between early morning and late night where we are is that it's also dark here, isn't it, Wilfie?
2: It is. Definitely.
0: A- and how is how's your evening been tonight? You had a game night kit this evening, I understand.
2: Yes, I believe we both had a game night kit. You were there also. Um I was, but I didn't want to spoil anything. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it oh, went it's, okay. a- it's out there now. Sorry.
0: Which which decks did you play?
2: I played the decks from Worlds because, like, you know, thinking about Netrunner is fairly difficult. That's why I have a podcast where I talk about Netrunner. Um, (laughs) That's great. Yep.
0: And perhaps after these new cards come out that we're going to talk about tonight, maybe you'll be trying something new. Who knows?
2: Yes, it's definitely not impossible. I will keep everyone updated.
0: Fantastic. Can't wait to hear uh, so there you have it. wolfie still rocking Wizard and Sync from Worlds, a game night kit. Uh, I actually tried out a hasty relocation CI deck. Didn't didn't quite function as well as I would have hoped, but it certainly was uh, a lot of fun to give that a go. Uh, Hollis, have you been playing much Netrunner lately since Worlds, or have
1: you been taking a break and real-lifing it? Oh, absolutely. Taking a break and real-lifing it. Um, lately, the interests have been... Uh I'm not sure if you guys are fans of the, of the the series, but uh, Final Fantasy 15 came out recently. Uh, okay. I I took a day off work just to uh, basically be a vegetable and just play the game to my heart's content for a full 24 hours. Um,
0: and how did it compare with the first 14? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: it's the I feel like the game is actually quite good. It's very it's very fun, um, and it's. It's very gorgeous. It's a very pretty game. Um, so I've just been having a great time with that. I've also been hopping into as many board games as I can. Uh, Seafall has been interesting. <clears throat> We're going that. How's that gone? Uh, there's been a lot of talk about that. Yeah. in the traps. Yeah.
0: Some positive, some negative. What's your experience been?
1: Um, overall, it's positive. I, I think that if you have a group of people that are into sort of this exploration idea that that's involved with the game, You'll like it, but the turns can take a while, especially, you know, if you're not used to playing board games often. Um, so mm-hmm. a single round can take a full, you know, easy, a full 20 minutes because you're thinking, uh, uh, you know, about different options, different wa- ways you can go and, and strategize. And 20 minutes means that even if your turn takes two, I'm talking the other 18 minutes or everyone else deciding what they want to do. So you may have a lot of downtime or wait time. But you also have to pay yeah. attention.
0: I mean, like like I said, I played CI tonight, and I'm not sure one of my turns even took 20 minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, net, net is certainly a a briefer
1: game. Yes, for on the sure. Whole,
0: by the sounds of it, than c is that one that you need a whole afternoon for?
1: Uh, I would say you probably want to set aside at least three to four hours to play. Like at least, especially okay. in the beginning. Yeah, I think so. So there you have it for those of you who have uh, a little more time,
0: perhaps the, the the time for Netrunner tournament. If you're unable to make it to a, a store champs because of inclement weather or some other reason, perhaps you can crack out the Seafall instead. <laughs> uh, today, though, our our mission is, aside from catching up on things and hearing all about other great board games, to discuss the new data pack for Android Netrunner, which is, in fact, Martial Law. The aptly named Martial Law. Uh, how do you feel about that name, Wolfie?
2: Um, I think it's good. I'm sure the law of Netrunner makes it make a lot of sense within the game world. That, uh, New Angeles is that where we are now? Oh, the moon. Yes. Are we on the moon? Where are we? On where so are no, we?
0: That was the lunar cycle. That was a couple of years ago, but right. that's okay.
2: Right. So, where are we now? We're in New Angeles. Oh, we're in yeah. New Angeles. Okay. So, New Angeles is experiencing martial law. I'm sure. Yeah, that makes sense to everyone, which is cool.
0: And, um,. Do you think that the name Martial Law ha- has any particular relation to any panelist on this show or oh. anything like that? that you,
2: Hollis, I didn't a- know, any, uh, any puns
0: or connotations that you think that we could draw on here?
2: Um, I'll think about that one and get back to you. But if someone else wants to answer
1: in the meantime, they sure can.
0: Hollis, any thoughts?
1: Um, well, for if you guys don't know, uh, Marshall was Mar- Marshall's really interesting because as uh, Jesse's pointed out, my parents were going to actually call me Marshall before I was born, and they changed at the last minute to, to, to Hollis. So uh, to Hollis. that's probably that's probably the only way that it's relevant to our panelists. Probably the only way. Uh, if we dig deep, we can probably yeah. find another connection, though. I think Wilfie had a pet once called Law. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, there it is. Yep, yeah, there we have it.
0: Anyway, that was the, that's the answer to the trivia question. Well done, well done to me answering my own question. So, the cards in the pack. We have finally arrived at MK Ultra, or Mark Ultra, or however you would like to pronounce it. It's a an anarch card. It's a killer to influence program. Install. You can install it uh, when you encounter a sentry, just like Paperclip and Black Orchestra, by paying its install cost, which is two. It's one memory unit. It's got a base strength of one, and it's got the ability similar to Black Orchestra, three credits plus two strength, break up to two sentry subroutines. What do we think of this one, Wilfie? How does it compare to the rest of the suite?
2: Um. So the most important thing to note about this card is it's more like Black Orchestra than Paperclip in that it boosts at only fixed intervals, which is a little awkward, but I think it's actually quite reasonably costed. Like, it has a few things going for it. One is that it's really good at breaking Architect, which is one of the more common sentries that usually you need a Sentry Breaker for. Like, It fills the Mimic slot in that regard. Um,
0: You don't really want to be spending three cards from Faust on Architect usually, so in Faust rigs it could deal with Architect well?
2: Yes, yeah. So, if you're, yeah, like I think in lots of situations where you are planning to break things with Mimic, this is often better. Like, it's not as good against the big subroutine sentries like uh, Kamayunu and Tour Guide, but The fact that it's so cheap to break Architect and quite reasonable against most other sentries um, in combination with the fact that it installs from the heap, which is really powerful, as we talked about with um, Paperclip and Black Orchestra, I think makes it a viable option to replace Mimic, at least to replace the second Mimic in lots of decks, which have two since you do have to be worried about getting your Mimic killed in lots of situations. Um... At least I often find myself in situations where my mimic dies and being able to recur it just gives you basically extra um, security over the course of the game that you're going to be able to break sentries, especially, as you said, in Faust Rigs, where you need sort of the assurance that you're not going to run out of ways to get into servers over the course of a very long game. Mm.
0: And I often find in a rig that has Faust and David where you're using Mimic as a backup against some ice, particularly against those HB decks where they have Architect, but then a lot of their other ice will tend to be um, Barriers and Code Gates, particularly now with Fairchild, that installing the Mimic up front in the early to early mid game can be a little bit hard to know when to take that tempo hit. So again, like the other breakers, like Black Orchestra and Paperclip, but even more so because this only costs two to install, I think having it in the bin early Really, just makes that trade for the corp of do they want to res that architect and pay the four a lot less appealing. I mean, obviously, they're still going to, but the fact it just makes it that much more likely that you're going to be able to avoid the face check penalty from an architect or a cobra or one of the other sort
1: of lowish cost centuries, I think. What do you think, Hollis? Uh, in general, for the uh, every time we've, we've looked at and reviewed one of these uh breakers like this, where you know, whether it was paperclip or black orchestra. Um, while paperclip is absolutely absolutely fantastic, uh, really without any support, um, I feel like black orchestra was just okay uh, as far as far as a breaker. I feel like this card um, is a little better than black orchestra, uh, a little better than black orchestra. But even even if they're not, you know, the best most efficient breakers. Um, which of course, they, they, you know, an arc can't have it all, but, uh, <laughs> or can they, but even if they're not <laughs> like by themselves, the best, and most efficient breakers, just that install from heap ability is insanely powerful um, because it allows you to sort of be a little reckless to face check and make mistakes and, and know that, you know, on the fly uh, with some support, with cards that are in, you know, within the anarch faction, you're going to have the available breaker answer. Um Cards like Frenetic Coding that we discussed, you know, in a previous episode when we reviewed uh, the last pack, uh, that's going to support you. You know, looking at you know, looking for cards like the Keyhole or the Magnum Opus or what have you, and just pitching these in the discard pile, and uh, you just simply installing, utilizing them when needed. And I think that that ability alone, even if the breakers aren't super efficient, can justify the inclusion of all of these in a deck. Mm. Um, I think that I've, I mean even Black Orchestra, which you know we we use at Worlds. I don't think it's particularly fantastic, but when you need an answer, it is there. Mm. And if you have available support from Data Sucker or Ice Carver or anything else that modifies uh, the opposing ice strength, it's going to just continue getting. Uh, it just can, you know adds that additional value to using a breaker like this that pumps in this uneven way uh, with odd with odd strengths. Mm. That and it's it's a important point. I guess also something else just neat. Here is it breaks two century subroutines in the one in the one uh, boost. Uh and you know, almost every great century that we encounter has, you know, two, three, or four subs. Um so this is just incredibly uh useful and relevant, I think. Great. Um, and we
0: might see some more people playing Kronos projects, uh, or some more ways to deal with heap recursion, I think, now that all the all three of these breakers are out, because yeah, they're certainly attractive options for a lot of Anarch Rigs. The next card is a criminal card. It's an event, cost three, influence two. It's called on the run. It's a condition. Its text reads, install on the run on a resource as a hosted condition counter with the text trash, the trash symbol, avoid up to three tags or prevent up to three damage. This seems like a pretty... Good effect to have in the current metagame with boom and hard hitting news ruling the roost. Hollis, what are your thoughts on whether this is going to be worth paying the three 4 in criminal? Obviously, you need to have a resource in play already, but that's not terribly hard for Crims, particularly Andy, to achieve on turn one. Uh, what are your thoughts on the playability of this one? Um,
1: if you're trying to mitigate tags, and I mean. Uh... The cards to influence if the focus really is to mitigate tags or I guess never to take them at all um, that is is really the one like I guess uh, sort of niche I think where it, it kind of stands out if you look at crash space crash space gives you the uh, you know two credits to uh, help remove a tag, but it also can be trashed to uh, avoid three meat damage so it has that same ability uh, and, and in addition to that we also have cards like Plascrete, which, uh, you know, have become the sort of go-to, the primary go-to choice for, like, uh, meat mitigation. This however, this, however, is it's any damage, right? It prevents net and meat? Oh, yeah, so it's any damage, yep. So it can, it can, it can prevent net and meat. I, that's actually fine. Uh, I think, really, though, the thing that makes this card sing, if, if anyone wants to use it, is going to be the, uh, the avoid three tags. So that if in the event... Uh, someone's trying to hit you with, like, a breaking news, um, uh, you know, temporarily to go for, like, the ex- uh, exchange of information or a boom combo, this card effectively just removes that out of the game. But I'd, I'd, I'm not confident that this is strictly better than simply using existing tools. I don't think so, actually. I think uh, knowing so? that we already have flash which,
0: which tool do you think... I mean, the only other avoid tag card that is commonly played is new Angeles city hall and this is a lot better than that in a lot of ways
1: isn't it um well yes so it's better than new Angeles city hall for tag uh, for like i guess what's what i'm thinking of for tag, tag prevention as yeah. opposed yeah tag avoidance as opposed to removal um crim has a lot of ways to remove tags they don't have that many ways to avoid tags other than like decoy i think mm. and of course like you said new Angeles city hall um the question I think you would have to ask yourself when you, when you, I guess, considering sliding this card is Are the cases where, are there cases where avoiding the tags usually better than simply removing them later with a card like networking or uh, cover your ears, paper tripping? Um,
0: I think the answer is <laughs> yes, though, to that question, significantly so. Like, the, when designing NBN decks at the moment for me, the only way that I can see myself getting back into a lot of games against Temujin and Andy decks is to 24-7 and close to counts them. And this completely shuts that down. Yeah, I agree. Which means that I just don't see how if a Krim has this in play and then possibly like you can have this in your deck instead of your Plaskreets in that slot and you can also play networking if you really want to, although you may not even need to. Um, but even even if you didn't take networking out of the equation, even if you just got this in play, the likelihood of a deck that's trying to hard-hitting use you or 24-7 close accounts you, being able to get over the top of your economy or 24-7 you twice is just quite small, which means that I almost think that this card on its own could push a lot of those yellow decks out of the meta if Krim is good enough. What do you think, Wolfie?
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, the fact that it's a more, much more limited New Angeles City Hall in that, it, well, a couple of things. One that you have to have a resource, um, and two that it trashes itself rather than being able to stick around over multiple turns, like potentially deal with multiple threats, um, is important, I think. But like conversely, the fact that it actually lets you, you don't have to avoid stealing agendas which is like it's very hard to build a deck where you don't give up a lot by having New Angeles City Hall in play by allowing your opponent to just um, score agendas without any or much protection so that kind of rules out New Angeles City Hall from being playable or being at its best in lots of decks especially decks most criminal decks I'd say and so Mm. this is not as powerful I think a bit more like, it's harder to make useful in a game, but it also synergizes with your regular game plan much better, I think. Mm.
1: As a uh, sort of a theorycraft question for you guys, do you think if this card had been released, this pack, if you will, had uh, come out prior to Worlds yeah. and was legal, do you think it would have heavily impacted the meta to where we would not have seen as, as, as dominant uh, or, or highly represented decks such as uh, CTM and Sync? Absolutely, absolutely, yes, because um, there were a
0: lot of people who, when they made the choice to play sync, I'm sure of it, because I thought about this long and hard, thought, if someone plays New Angeles City Hall against me, I'm in a lot of trouble. How do I beat that deck? I have to rush them really hard, and that's not, it's very hard to build an NBN deck that's really good at rushing, especially now that Astro's gone. And your economy is limited which means that your only way to rush is through santan which is expensive and easy for wizards to deal with or whatever easy for runners to deal with um and hard for you to get to seven points that way before they can get their economy going so it's hard for you to rush which basically means if they have new Angeles city hall um you have to get pretty lucky in order to beat them um this is like a better version of new Angeles city hall in that situation in that they can still be, like Wilfie said, be stealing your agendas and responding to your threats, and your main threat of being able to 24-7 close accounts 24-7 boom is just completely blanked. That's a, a huge deal. I just think that it severely impacts the playability of those decks, particularly Sync, um, and makes it a lot harder to play that. Um, you, you can potentially still play Controlling the Message um, against this sort of deck, although you know being... The the advantage of controlling the message is that you threaten so early that you can still punish them for bad draws and you can still set up situations where you've got a breaking news behind an ice and then forcing them to use their on the run to avoid, you know, your never advanced breaking news tags is a lot more of a tempo hit for them than using the on the run to avoid your 24 seven tags because you've given up a lot less to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Uh, CTM could very much still play around on the run and force the runner to have to make some difficult choices about whether to use their on the run or not to avoid those breaking news tags or to avoid the hard-hitting news tags because the controlling the message deck can throw a proliferation of threats at you in a way that sync decks can't Um, but this removes the sync deck silver bullet against criminals which was being able to 24-7 and then punish them.
1: Make sense? I like, that. I like that analysis.
0: The next card in the pack is the first Shaper card. It's called Equivocation. It's a program. Cost 2, Memory 1, Influence 3. Whenever you make a successful run on R&D, you may reveal the top card of R&D. If you do, you may force the corp to draw that card. So this is another, like Top Hat, another pseudo-R&D interface that achieves... A similar result, but in a slightly different way. It's cheaper than Interface, but it's a program. You get to see both cards, but you don't get to access them both necessarily. And if you don't, if you want to access the first one, you don't get to access the second one, I guess, is one way to look at it. What do you think of this, Wilfie?
2: Um, so I think in regular decks, like just uh, generic Shaper decks that are using like stealth or otherwise they're using it as sort of a replacement or not necessarily a replacement, but another R&D access tool. I'm a bit skeptical on it just because of how um, detrimental making the corp draw cards has been over the course of the game. Like Fisk Investment Seminar hasn't exactly been a hit. No, but people people seem to love it, so I don't know. You, we might not get many fans uh, dissing it. Um, but aside from that...
0: I, I just love it when people play it against me almost every time. I'm like, oh, thank God, you really dug me out of that hole I was in.
2: Yeah, but, you know, you do have to admit that people do love it.
0: They do love it.
2: Um, so fans of Fisk
0: Investment Seminar might like this card.
2: But anyway, I guess the point is, yeah, so first thinking about it in regular shaper decks, the it's really not a good trade, I think, to see an extra card, like getting a cheaper R and D interface at the cost of um like sort of an R and D interface. Like still not really at no half the cost. And also costing a memory is I think makes it much worse in those kind of decks. But I think in uh I don't I'm not no diaper expert, but I think John uh, was saying um, that he thinks that it's good in diaper because when you hold them, it lets you functionally see four cards rather than three. Because if it's an agenda, you leave it. Um, if you equivocation, if you run R and D, equivocation, see an agenda, you leave it. You guarantee to keyhole an agenda. If it's not, then you make them draw it, and you get to see an extra card. And like making them draw it is a disadvantage, but by the time you're going off, it's not seeing getting to see seven like. So getting to find seven points is a more important thing.
0: And it's unlikely they're going to have another turn anyway, right, at that point?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they do, like, each additional card is not of really huge value. Mm. So, yeah, I think that might be the main chance for this card to be playable.
0: It does seem like something that will be more about those sorts of synergies in that diaper strategy or other similar strategies Um than it is just to be a straight up R and D interface
1: replacement. Hollis, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I sorry, I agree with I agree with both with uh, Wolfie's points and your points that you also agree with on. on all right, we're we're only <laughs> agree. Is... It's yeah, it, it's just not. It's not going to be played. It's not going to really be played unless you have like a deck a deck that synergizes with it well, and otherwise, you're just aiding. The benefits there, but you really are kind of aiding and giving the corp additional cards, so you are saving them a draw action to an extent. And there's plenty of... I mean, if any age is any indication, giving the corp a free click every turn is bad. Yeah. Like, it's often... It's very. It can be very powerful for the corporation, um, even if you have this this benefit. Mm. And I think given how pressed for
0: memory shapers often are, particularly if they're mm-hmm. playing stealth, uh, it's going to be very quite difficult to fit this one in. All right, we'll move on to the next card which is another Shaper card. It's called Cold Reading. It's cost zero, event, run, stealth, one influence. Make a run and place four credits on this card that you may only use during this run. When the run ends, trash one program you used during this run, cannot be prevented. So this is sort of a stealth mini stim hack, but instead of taking a brain damage, you lose, a program that you use during the run. Now the obvious way that you can get around that is by not using programs during the run, so you can use this as a stim hack uh, to steal an NAPD that you know is on the board or to trash a, an asset or an upgrade that you otherwise weren't going to be able to trash in a pinch, uh, but also obviously you can mitigate the downside by having clone chips or other recursion tools in your deck. Is that going to be enough to make a card like this playable? Um, Wilfie and I, you know, Wilfie, we were discussing this before we started the show, and it seems to me that it doesn't quite fix the problems that stealth has at the moment in the current metagame with being quite poor on credits on the corpse turn when the corpse trying to track trace them or do things like that or pour outside of runs when you want to remove tags or do other things or install things um having credits during runs seems to be the one thing that the stealth decks do have at the moment so i'm not sure that they need another card to give them more of those what are your
2: thoughts Wolfie? um yeah i think you're mostly right there um oh like i uh, yeah i would agree with basically most of your points i think um The one thing I didn't consider when we were talking about earlier is that it's sort of a split dirty laundry um, and also stealth, like, ghost runner sort of effect. Yeah. That you can use it even when you don't, like, plan to use an icebreaker, which I think could be okay. Like, I, I do think that if the stealth... Like, the stealth deck does need some ways to generate real credits, of course, but just, I think... Even ways that to interact early with the corpse things, like this does, it's kind of like dirty laundry in that respect. If you're going to be trashing the corpse things, anyway, I think something like that could be good just because of how um, difficult it is. Like, if you're going to have to use your regular credits to trash things, which you do in modern Netrunner, like, basically all the time, especially in Shaper decks, then this sort of fulfills some of the role of a regular economy card and it does it fairly efficiently and if you can use that as well as in a stim hack sort of role even if it's not that efficient in both of those roles I think it could be important like stealth decks really just need economy I think there are really just not that many good economy cards that those decks can play so this even if it is I think not that great could be playable just because it sort of fulfills what those decks are wanting which is something that you can play on turn one that actually does something
1: Mm. interesting any thoughts hollis the best case scenario i i see for a card like this you know as far as true utilization of it is going to be when you maybe would play it uh you know use the credits available to it to great effect you know this means that you get to boost a fair amount of of stealth breakers one or two of them and then you get to trash a card using the credits on it because you're pumped you get to Draw a card or give an additional stealth credit to your networker and things like that. Um, that's all fine and fantastic, but the only real. Uh, trashing a program is pretty harsh. I think that you are really only going to benefit from that if it's going to be something like your refractor or Houdini or your uh, cloak even. But that would imply that with four stealth credits available, you <laughs> used the cloak to boost. And the reason why I say what you would want it to be one of those is because. They are so inexpensive that it doesn't hurt you to play them again by either uh, you know installing from hand or clone chipping them back in. Um, when I'm looking at you know an, a stealth breaker that could be exp- that's a bit more expensive, even down to where it costs like maybe three, like a Switchblade, I believe. Yep. Even then, I don't want to I don't want to lose three more credits in a archetype that already is, seems to be sort of struggling to have a, a fairly sizable economy engine. You know, so. It, it just feels like it sort of hurts it, and in, in, uh, almost if it we shoots it in the foot. I, I don't know what they could have replaced the trasher program with, but I'd, I'd rather it not have that for sure. Um, so that you, I mean, some other negative, you know, negative would have been fine. I don't know. I don't know what, but a tempo loss for stealth credits doesn't really translate the way you want it to. It does seem a strange drawback to have on an economy card, but if
0: you can obviously get around it like Wilfy talked about playing it early to trash a sensi or something like that then that's good um, or if you can use it as your Hail Mary then I guess that's good but ideally we don't want to be getting into situations where we need to make Hail Mary runs as runners so sort of a bit funny to include a card in your deck that you foresee being most useful in that sort of situation rather than just in regular play hmm interesting we'll see how that one turns out The next card in the pack is Misdirection. This is a very interesting one and another one just like on the run that it would have been interesting to see at Worlds and I think would have made quite a splash. It's a zero cost shaper program, one memory, two influence. Its ability reads two clicks, x credits, remove x tags. Wilfie similarly to our discussion of on the run do you think that this one would have impacted the dominance of Index had it been around at worlds
2: yeah i think definitely it would have sort of bridged the gap for shapers well maybe i haven't thought about it too hard so this is kind of speculative but yeah i do think it would have kind of bridged the gap for shapers between the late game stage where you have magnum opus rabbit holes and you don't have to worry about any of their ice or the CDM ability and the early game situation where you need to run but you're still worried about hard hitting use, I think that would be the most useful situation for this and it's very well costed given that it's a zero cost one memory program that you can find with SMC and the fact that your SMCs usually don't need to get more than one breaker early like the it's very it's fairly uncommon that you'll be really threatened by multiple ice types on a remote or something, it means that having this card in your deck gives you a lot more flexibility against hard news, given that if you keep your credit pool reasonably high in the early game, it's going to cost them a lot to hard-heating news, so that with this, you can at least sort of maintain some sort of parity. I think that might, that would have definitely been a viable thing to have happen at Worlds. Like, that would have encouraged shaper strategies i think
0: yeah i think the fact that it deals with hard-hitting news so efficiently more efficiently than networking makes it a great include because we know that uh, decks in all factions were splashing for networking or other tools to deal with tags Um, It was and remains one of the key things that you have to be able to do as a runner in the current metagame because of hard-hitting news and the the power of tag punishment at the moment. So to have this in Shaper, as you say, tutorable with self-modifying code, uh, but also usable in such an efficient way to deal specifically with hard-hitting news or even with mid-season replacements, it's worth pointing out as well. Uh, The fact that it gives you the flexibility to not pay the mid-season trace, but then say, play a sure Gamble or use some other economy the following turn and then remove all the tags. I think that is also a really interesting upside that this has compared to some of the other tag removal options. Um, so I I do foresee this being uh, reasonably commonly played in Shaper, at least as a one-off over the next little while. What are your thoughts, Hollis?
1: It's really it's not common at all that we see a program that... Uh... I think the programs that that people utilize that aren't breakers are very, uh, like, they're few and, like, far between. Like, like it's, uh, like, what, Keyhole and Magnum Opus are, like, some very, very, like, important ones that we see all the time. But they don't even get slotted in every, like, uh, Shaper deck or every Anarch deck. Um, whereas Misdirection is, is interesting because it's definitely a meta. Like, it feels like a meta card in the same way that you would utilize... Uh, Deus Ex to worry primarily about like maybe uh, a high level of uh, net mitigation or and things like that, um, or feedback filter for you know uh, mitigating that damage. I feel like mis- misdirection being an available tool out of the Shaper, Shaper tool belt or toolbox to help with tags is really just seems like a card we quite honestly should have seen a while ago, right? I mean, th- that's the sort of Shaper ideals they have. They, they don't have an answer for everything on one card, but they got a really big toolbox, and they can just pull things out of that toolbox and have these little neat answers to everything. Um, and I, I think, you know, it, sorry, as, a, as far as like programs and building their rig. And I think that this is, you know, just another piece, another tool that uh, is very well placed given the current meta.
0: And it's also going to be interesting, I think, to see whether having more effects like this in the program slot makes having more clone chips in your deck more attractive because to fix the problem that Wilfie was talking about earlier of using your SMC to fetch this, yes they may not have two different ice types they can chuck on a remote, but if they do, certainly having that clone chip available to get back your SMC and spit out all your programs early or the rest of your breakers in addition to this uh, is a good thing to be able to do as Shaper. So that's going to be something for Shaper deck builders to consider. the next card in the pack is the first Apex card that we've had since Starter and Destiny. It's a two-cost program, one memory, four influence, and it's called Reaver. The first time you trash an installed card each turn, draw one card. So when you trash your installed cards or when you trash the corpse installed cards, I assume.
2: Yes, that's correct
0: yep then you draw a card
2: like this I I think it's quite an interesting card Um, I think I'll leave the discussion to another time of whether this pushes Apex to playability just because I think the mini factions in general all have some pretty significant weaknesses that come from just the shallowness of card pool but like the fact that this can actually support a strategy in of itself where you play multiple copies of these I understand it's a program so you have to work out how you're going to get your memory but it's actually a fairly powerful engine, I think, given how strong you can make card draw in Apex. Because of course, the ability mm. helps with using your cards. You can play Faust, etc., for re- like not super cheap influence-wise. But there are a lot- basically there are lots of ways to turn your cards into um, adv- in-game advantage.
0: We've seen how powerful. Obelisk has been as passive card draw and also wild side that gives you cards without you having to spend clicks just for doing things that you want to do. That's This certainly fits within that
2: genre of cards, if you like, and it could play a similar role. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you can get this card to work, the payoff is there, but I'll leave it up to someone else as to how you can fit this as well as, I think, yeah, like, I think you really do need to use an AI breaker, so if you can fit Faust in your Apex deck, if you've decided that Faust actually does fit in your Apex deck, then Faust Reaver, I think, could fuel some new, sort of new take on Apex, but my main worry is that it doesn't work with, because of the memory cost, it doesn't work very well with Endless Hunger which is, I think, actually quite a powerful card, even if it does need support. So it sort of pulls you into a different direction, which I'm not certain that Apex really has the tools to support.
0: Hmm. Interesting. See how that one turns out. The next card is the first neutral card, and I believe this is the one you were thinking of, Hollis. This is Baba Yaga.
1: Yeah, that's, that's it. It's
0: a neutral AI icebreaker. It is two influence... Cost five, one memory. Strength zero. Baba Yaga may host any number of non-AI icebreakers. Baba Yaga gains the paid abilities of all hosted icebreakers. So this is something that you can craft into your icebreaker of choice um, using the other icebreakers that you have in your deck hosted on this. Now, that may sound like a funny idea at first, but then when you think about it, Combining the abilities of multiple icebreakers can actually give you some really interesting combinations in terms of your cost to pump, what you can break, but also getting around the drawbacks on some icebreakers. For example, Mongoose has its limited only one century per run. Um, drawback whereas if you've hosted your mongoose on your baba yaga you still get the same pump and break costs but you don't have the drawback uh any, any thoughts on this holos or Wolfie? Holos, you yeah. want first?
1: <laughs> yes i already i've already gone in on yeah um, go, go deep again in general i think it's going to be fantastic to have the ability to like you said jesse take cards that uh generally have drawbacks associated with them Bre- icebreakers have drawbacks associated with them like mongoose or icebreakers that are very efficient, like Ferry and Yog, uh that make pumping uh, you know, to a higher strength very easy and uh breaking incredibly inexpensive. You, you basically could craft uh, through a lot, a fair amount of effort, a series of one to one, you know, credit to break, credit to pump, uh multi purpose use like Baba Yaga. And the the drawback is obvious that it's is obvious because it's a single point of failure so in the event a program is trashed everything hosted on baba yaga also goes mm-hmm. um but th- i think the ability i think is a, is strong enough to to justify it the other drawback is that baba yaga costs five that's a pretty steep cost to get that level of efficiency yeah. because For when something that doesn't do anything on a dog yeah yeah, yeah. When, when you're looking at Yogg on its own, I mean, basically, just for just to copy Yogg now to have that ability to break CoGates for zero, it costs you a total of ten. Um, you know, barring any other kind of discount, you, you could have a
0: you could have a for ten that doesn't get trashed after breaking. <laughs> could be useful.
1: Uh, I guess that's that maybe, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that could be good.
0: I don't know. That could be good. I don't know. It's interesting. Lots, lots of uh, lots of permutations yeah. to work out in terms of what's the most efficient way to use it. Uh, people have talked about sharpshooter, uh, dog breakers. I saw someone talking about uh, dog breakers study guide um, to put extra power counters on, and then using your most efficient pump abilities. Probably sharpshooter, I guess. But yeah, all of that oh. is uh, interesting. Theory crafting. I think the the drawback that you've identified, alongside the two influence and the five cost, both of which are significant drawbacks, the fact that if this does get trashed, you essentially lose your whole rig if you do go all in on it, is a pretty big drawback. Wilfie, do you think that's likely to be a hindrance to this card's playability with the current card pool of program trashes?
2: Um, not so much. I think. You do have to worry about best defense. Um, best defense is the only thing I can think of that's commonly played that kills um, programs outside of like interaction with ice. So I don't think it's a huge issue, especially since I think Fairy is probably the best way to use this card anyway. Um, yeah, since fa- Fairy I think is this card's best friend, so... That sort of gives you some inbuilt wanting to play three fairy in your deck. Sort of gives you some inbuilt program trashing protection.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think the um, other thing that could pose a danger to this sort of strategy is power shutdown. But the likelihood that you're going to have another piece of hardware or another program in play that costs less than this is very high. Particularly since you can trash the things hosted on this to a power shutdown. So outside of power shutdown and best defense. I can't really think of anything else proactive that corpse would commonly play that interacts with programs on their turn. Think of anything else, Holos, or we'll think no.
2: And I'm sure if any of our listeners think of something, they'll make sure to tell us how this card's actually terrible.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, yeah, or maybe if uh, Whalen gets some sort of operation that fires a trash a program subroutine off one of its eyes, then this could be in trouble. Do we think that's likely to happen? I don't think that's likely to happen anyway well there uh, is
2: the uh like if if we're gonna go down this ridiculous rabbit hole there is uh the double trash something if they stole an agenda but that's fine we'll deal with that later
0: ah yes of course coming
2: up in the future
0: I i did specifically phrase my question to you with the current card pool though didn't i so then i've gone off down this rabbit hole sorry the uh the next card in the pack is interdiction it's a one cost neutral event current it's got the current text And then it says the Corp cannot res non-ice cards during the runner's turn. This seems like a pretty big deal. Uh, I know we've already got Rumour Mill, which sort of has pushed a lot of the cards that this deals with out of the metagame already. But, Wilfie, do you see this as having any sort of impact? Um, That Rumour Mill hasn't already had?
2: um, It's sort of interesting because the Corp cannot res non-ice cards during the runner's turn. So that means that it's sort of the Councilman effect, where yep. the if the Corp's really, really worried about something, they can always just pre-res their um, things. And Councilman hasn't had a huge impact outside of against uh, being one of the many, a neutral anti-CI card that you can play. So this card is better than Councilman in some respects because the runner the sorry, because the runner doesn't have to have any credits to stop, necessarily stop the cop from rezzing things, but also currents are already, I think in, currents that do this kind of thing, that is, that are good against the cards that this is good against are not as sticky as resources are that do this kind of thing so sort of basically any deck which is worried about room mill already has to have an answer to a current that prevents these this sort of effect so i don't really see this adding too much more even though like the idea of being a neutral room mill sort of effect is in itself very powerful
0: yeah the fact that on the turn you play this it's obviously really good and similarly to room mill um the, if you play this, then make a run, the Corp can't raise Caprice, they can't raise Ash, they can't raise the defensive upgrades. But if this is in play and you're relying on it over a period of time, it's a lot worse than Rumi Mill because Rumi Mill flat out blanks those cards, whereas they can just pre-res, like you said, with this. You know, if it's been in play for a few turns, they just know that if they play their Ash, they have to res the Ash on their turn before the runner's turn starts. Um, in terms of other non-ice cards that the Corp, would ideally like to res on the runner's turn i can't think of a great deal like particularly because in netrunner the corp has a window at the beginning of their turn that they can res assets and upgrades that they want to trigger during their beginning of turn phase Um, if that window didn't exist then this would be a lot better Um, but it does so this doesn't really have the effect of Uh, forcing the Corp to res something that they install and want to trigger at the beginning of their next turn because they can just wait until the beginning of their next turn to res it. So it only really affects things that they want to trigger on the runner's turn. And other than defensive upgrades, I can't really think of that many things that Corp's want to trigger on the runner's turn. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. Mm.
0: Okay, so... Yeah, out of the current card pool, I can't think of a great deal of utility for this that's broader than Rumor Mill, and in summary, I think it probably isn't as powerful as Rumor Mill, given that it doesn't flat-out blank the cards that it's targeting, although I do think it's a more interesting design, probably, for that reason. Any thoughts, Hollis?
1: Uh, I think that it's great that it's not as powerful as Rumor Mill, because... Uh, that card is single-handedly hurting a particular archetype <laughs> at the moment um, but yeah, I, overall I agree with uh, both of your assessments of the card, I, I don't think it's I think it it does some of the similar things that Rumor Mill tries to accomplish or that Councilman tries to accomplish but it, there's the same sort of corpse solution which is I'll just res on my turn and uh, yep, that'll take care of that
0: um, yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of the runner side of martial law, the absolutely named data pack, uh, after Hollis's potential former name that unfortunately, yeah, was never bestowed upon him. So we miss out on a whole lot of jokes because of that, but alas. Uh, we'll be back next week with the corpse side of martial law. And if you want to get us in touch with us between now and then, or at any time, really, you can tweet us at Winning Agenda. You can find us on Facebook at The Winning Agenda. You can send us an email to the winning agenda at gmail.com. You can check us out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thewinningagenda. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for episode 109. Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks, bye. Uh, Hollis,
0: how do you think this addresses the existing issues in Apex, if at all? And do you think that it will help Apex to see play?
1: Uh, well, as long as Apex has been around, I think the, the immediate concern has always been, where the hell am I going to get breakers? You know, like, <laughs> I have this, this hefty amount of influence, so what am I actually using to break things that are not ETR ice? I've got to have influence put in, you know, i got to put in uh, other breakers in the deck to break these things, because endless hunger isn't going to do it by itself and also
0: ways to find the breakers i think is the challenge you can within your 25 influence you can find room to fit in breakers but finding room to fit in SMCs or special orders or card draw or plus your additional um, utility cards that you need is a little difficult so this could help with that yes. being card draw
1: yeah i i think so and not only that but Just having the ability to take advantage of some of the best breakers in the game uh, is amazing. I mean, the the ability to use like cards like Yogg and Fairy on like together is like you know on on one single card having a sort of single. Well, are you you talking about the right card? Am I? Oh no, I'm not. Oh wait, (laughs) I'm not. Hold on, I'm thinking of uh, Bobby Yaga. <laughs> That's okay, it's
2: not a big hold deal. On one
1: sec. It's because it was, it was right under it. <laughs> yeah. um, hold on one second, let me go back. Do you want me to talk about Reva? I gotta see. Yeah, you talk about Reva. Yeah, please. Right, so I think the main...